This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Hello and thanks for listening to today's Kent Online podcast. I am Jamie Long. It's Thursday the 17th of February. And first today, we've already had disruption from Storm Dudley. Now Storm Eunice is heading towards Kent. Our reporter Lucy Hickmont joins me on the podcast and it looks like it could be quite a bad one. Well, yes, Jamie, winds have started picking up with several fallen trees closing some minor roads in the county overnight. There were also long delays on the ferries at Dover because of poor weather conditions in the Channel and speed restrictions and lane closures on the QE2 bridge at the Dartford Crossing this morning. Things have eased a bit throughout the day, but forecasters say the worst is yet to come. An amber warning for strong wind will be in force across Kent tomorrow, which means there's a potential danger to life. Alex Deacon from the Met Office has been telling us a little bit more about what we can expect. Those kind of winds are likely to cause significant disruption and the potential for power issues uh, along with the travel disruption and those large waves which will possibly also cause some flooding along the coastal strip. So the strongest winds from Storm Eunice will be across the south, uh, but almost anywhere across England and Wales, we could see gusts even in land of 50 to 60 miles an hour, which could also cause some issues and transport problems and some maybe even some structural damage. These storms are being formed and fueled by a very active jet stream. Jet is very powerful at the moment. The jet stream is a, a ribbon of fast flowing air high up in the atmosphere. It's always there, but sometimes it gets a bit of extra energy and it's really energized and it's driving and picking up these low pressure systems, turning them into storms and sending them our way. So it's a very active jet stream that's creating and causing these storms. Well, train operators and highways bosses in the county are urging us to work from home if we can and avoid going out at all if possible. Southeastern have also cancelled some services as they expect high levels of disruption. Lucy, thanks very much. And of course, you can keep up to date with any issues across the county at Kent Online or by listening to KMFM. Next, a man who died from serious head injuries following a fight in Maidstone has been named locally as Wayne Duck. He was taken to hospital after violence broke out on Pudding Lane last Thursday. Tributes are being paid to the victim on social media. Two men who were arrested are out on bail. Now there's anger over plans to shut down a park and ride site in Canterbury. The council wants to save money by getting rid of the service from Sturry Road following a big drop in passenger numbers since the pandemic. Commuters have described it as illogical with concerns it could create more traffic in the city centre. Kent Online News. A teenager's appeared in court and denied attempted murder following a stabbing in Rochester. Jimmy Devlin was arrested after a man was attacked near the entrance to a block of flats in the Tideway last month. The 19-year-old from Stock Close is expected to say he wasn't there and is the victim of a malicious complaint. Now, a Kent farmer has spoken out as part of a campaign to raise awareness of mental health issues within the industry. Figures from a recent survey show more than a third could be suffering from depression, with many feeling isolated. We've been speaking to Trevor James, who's a farmer from Mepham near Gravesend. We all know it's a hard industry to be in. It's long hours, it's unglamorous. Um, 
but we all knew that anyway. There's no money in it. But you have pride in what you do. You have pride in creating food, you know, feeding the country, looking after your environment. It's all what we've got passion for, and that's why we do it. I'm very lucky in that I've, I've got a very good home life. I've got a good family. I've got a nice farm. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, but it's, it's, it's not easy. I'm lucky in that I've got, we, we retail our own meat and we have a good customer base that are really loyal. So it's a, it's a easier for me because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing more people, but it can be a very, very lonely, very lonely job. And, and even when you've got a lot of people around you, it's a, a lonely place. A lot of people don't understand what we do. I can see how it'd be very easy to go down the slope of being very, very depressed. We're a pretty resilient bunch and, you know, when you see other farmers, you generally try and make light of everything, even a bit of, you know, for want of a better turn of phrase, banter between yourselves. But I'm knowing farmers that are finding it really hard. You know, you have a quiet moment and they'll say to you, this is really difficult. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really struggling at the moment. Um, and that's not usual. You know, we're, we, we're used to having to deal with whatever comes up. And, you know, the margins are tighter and tighter and tighter. And every single thing, every single goalpost you have seems to move all the time. Uh, there was uh, the way we were subsidised generally uh, encouraged not necessarily farmers but rich landowners and the new system they've come out with completely exacerbates that. So if you're an average working farmer, you know, when you're talking about actual farmers, it's soul destroying. You're looking at something you've built up over generations. You've you've looked after your land. It's in, it's in a farmer's interest to look after the environment. The fact that um, margins are squeezed tighter and tighter and tighter all the time. We, we found uh, an invoice uh, from well, a few years back now for shearing and and the man that came and sheared them he 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 gave us an invoice and that was something along the lines of 300 pounds and our wool came to a thousand pounds now it's more likely to be the other way around now you know so everything you do is tighter there's less and less money everything bad weather supply chain issues it all adds up it all adds up to being a difficult job but look that that's the kind of thing that we're Sort of used to. Farmers have always got changing goalposts. They've always got different things. You can't control. You can't control nature. You can't control the weather. It's all a probability thing. You just do your best. So that sort of thing we're quite used to. Farmers are proud people. You know they don't want to say actually I'm going through a tough time and it's really because like I just said we're, we're used to just knuckling down and getting on with things and hoping it's going to get better. But things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. Those who are struggling are being urged to get help as part of the Farm Safety Foundation's Mind Your Heads campaign. Or Alice Hendy is the CEO and founder of mental health and suicide prevention charity Ripple. She's been giving some advice. Unfortunately, the statistics around the, the farming industry really do speak for themselves. Unfortunately, a lot of them are working extremely long hours. I think that adds to the isolation that each of these farmers are, are feeling each day. I think also the environment in which they're working contributes to their mental health. Quite often, if we've got some bad weather, it can have a huge impact on productivity uh, of the farming community. Um, it's also a very isolated role. Quite often, a lot of these individuals are actually working alone um, and lack that correspondence and interaction with others. 
And all of those things combined really do contribute towards poor mental health. And it can have an impact on how they're feeling day to day. I think the Farm Safety Foundation does a really good job in trying to build a community of farmers to really bring a sense of belonging to the individuals that are within this industry so that they can realise and understand that they're not alone and that actually there are lots of other people that are also perhaps feeling uh, slightly isolated and alone and struggling with their mental health. So building a community around the farming industry um, and putting that layer of protection in place uh, around them, perhaps encouraging conversation between each other. They might be facing similar challenges. Always helps. Talking is one of the main things that you can do to improve your mental health and how you're feeling and open up about what might, might be going on in your life that you might be struggling with. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. A driver in Herne Bay claimed she was abused by motorists after rushing to help a woman who tripped over. Carrie Gilliam was driving down Kings Road when she noticed a woman had hit her head on the pavement. After stopping to help, she claims motorists shouted at her over the way she had parked her car. An inquest has heard how a former partner of a missing Australian teacher who travelled around Tunbridge Wells could have information on her disappearance. 51-year-old Marion Barter went missing after travelling in the Kent town in 1997. The inquest heard she had a secret relationship with a married photographer and Belgian national, but he didn't show up to the hearing. Next, a Kent's teachers warning the situation with coronavirus in schools is still extremely difficult and complicated. Some pupils in the county have had to go back to remote learning over the last few weeks because of staff shortages. Carl Marsh works at a school near Dartford and is the National Education Union's Joint Secretary for North Kent. I think schools have experienced the most difficult period in I think, the history of this country's education system in terms of meeting all the, all the complications and um, challenges that are, that are around education right now. I think the, the, the leading up to Christmas and then just past Christmas has been easily two of the most difficult and complex half terms in my teaching career, for sure. I know that many school teachers and leaders feel the same way. It's been a difficult uh, balancing act between how we keep students safe, how we keep students learning in schools, and how we keep schools open with the huge amount of entirely unavoidable staff absences that have taken place uh, around I'm having to self-isolate and sort of restrict times in the workplace. So it has been extremely difficult to keep keep schools fully open, though every school has endeavored to keep as many students in as possible all the time, because we know that that's where students learn best and are safest in our schools, but it's not always been possible. I think quite rightfully, some parents have found it quite difficult, and I understand that it's been difficult, not just for teachers in schools, but for parents and families and for the students themselves. At the end of the day, the bottom line is that we have to keep our students safe, and if we can't staff schools with the, with the right people to keep those students in school safely, then we have to rely on families to support us in that way. It is, again, always a last resort uh, for any school. And we know that you know, the demands on parents have been changing and shifting as well as the move back into office-based work has, has accelerated a little bit. Um, parents are finding, I think, it, the, child, the childcare demands even more complicated, which we appreciate and understand. No school has made a decision lately to, to close its, its doors to any students at any point to ever go back to home learning, which we know, you know, it, there were some great successes in, in the first lockdowns around home learning. But we also know that students learn best when they're, when they're with, with their peers, with their teachers, with their school groups. 
I had it um, in sort of mid-December. Uh, thankfully, it was quite mild, and I'm, which I'm thankful for. I had my, my vaccinations and my um, booster as well, and I'm glad for that. Um, th there is a real fear around what it can do, particularly to people who are quite sensitive uh, or have maybe difficult, you know, compromised immune systems, young people in the same situation. Uh, I, you know, I know I've lost colleagues during the pandemic, and other people have lost colleagues as well. So that is always a resonant memory around, you know, what can happen uh, in the worst case scenarios. And we appreciate that, uh, you know, that there have been huge leaps forward in terms of what the vaccination program has done for the country. But we, you know, it's it's hard to hard to shake that small bit of fear, even if we all want to move forward and and come out of this as a as a group together. We 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 are aware acutely of the of the dangers still and how that can affect us and our colleagues. In the best situations, even before the, before COVID, teaching was a hard job. It's complicated. You know, the workplace demands are high, and and rightfully so. We know what we're getting into in some cases around that. Um, teachers always step up to help each other out, cover lessons when they have to. We never want to see our students left, you know, without somebody who's capable and qualified teaching them and helping support their learning. Um, COVID has made that disruption <laughs> a thousand times worse, uh, if not more. Uh, and it can happen. You know, things things happen sort of on the day as opposed to maybe be potentially being planned in advance in terms of, of how people are off. Um, so you'll have a you know, member of, of staff call up at half past seven in the morning and they've had a positive lateral flow test and you have to make really sudden last minute changes. So the workplace and the workload demands on teachers, which have always been high, or I think are at an all time high. And if, you, if I'm a teacher and I step in to cover uh, a lesson during my, during my planning time, that means I've lost a little bit more time to, to plan and make resources and, and plan excellent lessons for students the next day or the week after or whatever else. So that just sort of snowballs into more and more challenging workplace demands on teachers. And you know, I, I wonder if sometimes that's that's been forgotten. The second pandemic around this is not is not around coronavirus, but it's around mental health issues and the stress and anxiety that's placed on our young people, on staff, across the school. Uh, you know, we all feel that really, really acutely as well. The the, the challenges on on Staff, particularly staff of children, though not exclusively, uh, have been extremely high. That has a toll. The you, you you spend hours and hours and hours after school working on, or, you know, marking an assessment and planning and you know making those things that make students' lives at school wonderful. And that all takes time and and has you know other other costs as well. And yeah, it, it, it has been difficult. Uh, sort of a lot for some people that I know that they've had to step away from school for a time. I know people who've left the profession entirely. Um, thinking that actually the stress on them, the toll taking on their lives, their family lives has not been worth it. Um, and, you know, everybody has their own stories and their own circumstances. So I'm not speaking for the whole profession in that, in that statement, but I know that some people have had to, for their own safety and well-being, move away from the profession as well. Residents living on a dangerous road near Tunbridge say it's a death waiting to happen. A petition's been launched to improve safety and signage on Church Road in Paddock Woods. There have been at least seven crashes there in five years, including one earlier this month, which left a car on its side. And a Kent pub has been awarded its first Michelin star just a year after it was taken over by new owners. The Bridge Arms near Canterbury has been completely refurbished with a brand new menu since it reopened last April. The Michelin guy describes it as another hit with plenty of character. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Insta for all of the latest news in Kent. And you can also subscribe to get all of the latest editions of the KM newspapers and get exclusive content with Kent Online Digital Plus. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. 
This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.